0: Well, good morning, Hope. Now, let's try it again. Good morning, Hope. Good morning. Justin said y'all were too quiet, so we're going to have to do something about that. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be here today than standing knee-deep in Myrtle Beach wondering if a shark's coming behind me. Can I get a witness of that? Amen? It'd be crazy, isn't it? I don't know what my parents were thinking growing up, but when I was about six years old, this will date me, they took me to see Jaws. Can I tell you, I have a hard time at the beach ever since then. It's just, uh, we, were, we were down, and I, I shared last week, we just got back from our, our awesome 30th anniversary trip. Denise and I, we were in Maui, and uh, they, it, where I stayed, they snorkeled. And I, how, many, how many have ever snorkeled? Let me see your hands. I, I love snorkeling. It's kind of cool. But the thing that was there that was really cool was, is there were these sea turtles. We're not talking North Carolina sea turtles. We're talking the size of a Volkswagen, you know? They were, they were massive. And the first day I was out there, it's not like here, the water's very clear, And I'm floating along, and all of a sudden I see this sea turtle laying on the bottom, and he was about twice the size of the communion table here. And I thought that's really cool. I'm floating over him, you know, and he's kind of looking up at me, and I'm thinking, okay, he's thinking, go away. So I decide I'm gonna turn and go away and get around him. And about that time, about a few minutes later, I could just sense this presence around me. And I remember I saw Jaws. I'm scared of anything that's moving in the water. And I sense this presence around me. And all of a sudden I just whip around and I'm face to face with this sea turtle, like right here. And if you've ever thought you could scream through a snorkel, I screamed like a little girl for like five minutes. My heart was pounding, and I'm like, this is no fun. But I finally kind of got used to that. But uh, I don't know about you, I'm glad you're here on a holiday weekend, and we're going to have some fun this morning. So listen, get your Bibles out. If you brought a Bible or you use a pad or a phone, whatever, if you rely on us to put it on the screen, we'll do that too. And go ahead and move in the Bible to the Gospel of Luke. And then we're going to spend a lot of time in Psalm this morning. And uh, the way I always was taught growing up of how you find Psalm was in most Bibles. If you just kind of divide it in half, uh, you typically hit Psalm. There you go, Psalm 102, right there. Uh, so that'll help you out. That doesn't work in, uh, in your phone, though. All right. Hey, let's pray together. Uh, we are starting a series this morning uh, on uh, worship, the love language of God. And uh, I'm so excited to be able to take these next couple of weeks. Next Sunday, we're going to totally freak you out, so uh, I think everybody should show up just to see the comedy of it, but I'm going to lead worship next week, and Matt's going to preach, and uh, after Matt started off this morning, I'm thinking, Matt, get ready for next week, okay, because you've got to talk, and, uh, and for me, I've got to sing, so uh, pray for this old voice, uh, someone was kidding me, say, Mike, how far are you going to go back in your history? Uh, not as far as some would like, you know, we're not going to start out with I'll Fly Away and, uh, some of those, but we're going to go back a few years because you kind of expect that from me, and we're going to sing a few of the, what are kind of more modern classics, but we'll have a good time. Well, Father, we love you. God, we've taken time to, uh, God, just prepare our hearts, God, today that your word become alive in us. So, Father, I ask that you speak to us clearly, God. Give us ears to hear, heart to respond. And God, most of all, God, I pray that, Lord, our spirit, God, would just be drawn to you. God, you created us for this. God, you created us to, to be able to enter your presence, God, by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood that Jesus shed for us, his death on the cross, his resurrection. And God, we just want to be people that honor you in the way that you say we ought to, God. And Father, not as some duty, but God, as a joy, God, to be in your presence, God, because your word says in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, God. So we today want to enter in. So God, help us. Help us to lay aside the week, all that's gone on. God, if firecrackers are still going off in our head, Father, let us just lay that aside. And God, today, let us hear Your voice speaking to us. I pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, "Amen." Amen. You know, a little, uh, just almost a year ago, I did a, a short mini series on worship. We called it uh, "What Matters the Most." In fact, you can go back on our podcast. It was in September of last year. You can kind of pick up what we were teaching because we were talking about. Worship in the sense of everything we do is worship. God created us to honor Him in every way, every day, every moment, wherever we are. And in that series, we kind of defined what worship really is. And just to give you a short definition, and I hope you'll take some notes today, because we're kind of doing a little teaching mode this morning. Uh, worship is how you respond to that which you love the most. How you respond to that which you love the most. Worship is literally love expressed. It's how we express What's here? What we, what we believe, what we sense, what we feel uh, about that which we love. And the truth of the matter is we all have many loves. There are many things in life that, that God has given us that we love. And there's nothing wrong... With having that, that, that love for life, I mean, we live in a state, man, you can love for the mountains, you can love for, you know, football every once in a while, and basketball if you're desperate, or you can love certain schools, and, uh, you know, and we have to be careful at, at Hope because we're a mixed bag around here when it comes to schools. But, you know, we, we, we love things, and whatever we love, we respond to. And honestly, it's not that hard to figure out what we love, because if you look at where you spend your time, uh, where you spend your money, your energy, what you talk about, your conversations, your schedules. It's, it's not that hard to figure out, really, what we love in this life. And here's something we need to really understand. God does not mind us having loves in our lives, but here's what he does mind. He loves, he, he minds if those loves take a higher place in our lives than him. He minds it when something that we love on this earth takes a higher place in our lives than him. God has said, God is the original number one. (laughs) He said in the Ten Commandments, you will will love the Lord your God. There's no other gods before him. We shouldn't shouldn't go there and put anything above him because he is the God who created us. And he created us with this great capacity to worship him. But so often we get kind of taken away from the worship of God to the worship of other things. In fact, if you could define our culture today, I think one thing we do, have done well—and it's not good—is we become very good at worshiping ourselves. We are the selfie culture. Do you understand that? And, and the Bible says, when we start worshiping self, really some bad things happen. In Romans one, uh, verse twenty-five, it's not on the screen. Just kind of throw this out at. Says it says they exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. And that really defines a lot of what we are walking in as a nation right now. We are living in the consequences of the love of self, where the created thing has become more important than the creator. How many know that's out of balance, that's out of whack? Because he is the one that ought to be worshipped. So what I want to do today is, you know, when we use the word worship, we, we have to be careful because if you grew up in church, worship often becomes just what we do right here, okay? We just worship God. We sang three songs, we clapped, we, that's worship, right? But worship is so much more than that, and that's what I taught in the last series. But what I want to focus on in this series is what does happen when we gather. What happens when we come together as the body of Christ? So in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 19, kind of give you the setting, it's what was known as the triumphal entry. Jesus had been teaching, he'd been performing miracles, he'd been telling everyone he was the Messiah, and he was now coming to Jerusalem because the time was drawing near for him to be crucified. And something took place when he came into to Jerusalem that I think sets the, the stage for us today. So pick it up in verse 37. It says, when he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I mean, they're shouting their praise. They're they're getting loud. They're getting boisterous. They're they're proclaiming what they know about Jesus Christ. And guess what happened? They offended the religious crowd. They offended the Pharisees. And the Pharisees said, they said, Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here's what Jesus was saying. He said, said, no, 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 I like this. (laughs) No, they're not going to stop. No, there's something powerful about what they're doing. And guess what? If they don't do this, the whole creation is going to begin to cry out because God created us with this capacity to worship him. Listen, I believe this morning so strongly that Jesus was saying to us, this is real worship. This is what should happen when we come to that place where we recognize he is our first love. And I I submit this morning that for most of us, worship has kind of been defined by tradition in our lives, more so than by the Bible. Worship has been defined by tradition. Now, we all come from various backgrounds of of churches and non-church in the world and different parts of the world. And can I tell you, worship is a little bit different in, in, in another continent than it is here. Do you understand that? It's a little different uh it's different in a different church this morning you can go down the road and worship's going to be like very high pipes and choir robes and quiet and tradition and then you can go to some churches it's like good grief what is wrong with them i grew up in a little pentecostal tell I me mean, no we can get a little crazy i mean it just got it just got nuts You never knew what was going to happen, man. They're dancing, shouting, running, singing. I mean, how many ever participated in a a Jericho march? Can I just see your hand? Anybody know what a Jericho march is? I mean, we're talking like people started like marching around. I I remember this kid going, what the heck are they doing, you know? And I look at my dad, he's like, "Hmm?" you know, my mom's on the piano trying to keep up with it all. And I'm like, so worship has a little different experience based on tradition. And what I want to do and hope is... I want us to be people that worship the Lord according to his word and not just by what we think we like. Because people don't get worship. You know, when we started Hope Church, I remember people came to me and said, oh, you can't worship God in a theater. We started out in the old Starlight Theater, sticky floor, stinky place, you know, Carmel, uh, everywhere. And I'd say, oh, but people worship all the time in this place. Like, what are you talking about? I said, they stand in line for hours on the opening night. They're they more excited about when Star Wars is coming than when Jesus is coming back. There is a worship that is taking place. And then we moved into the school. and People were like, you can't worship in the school. I said, oh, come around this place on a Friday night around here. They're worshiping because they're, they're thrilled about their teams, about what's going on. You see, it's not a matter of a place. The place is not sacred. We are sacred. The location is not the question." It's the condition of our heart that determines whether we're going to worship the Lord in the way He wants us to worship. And the Bible says that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So here's the question this morning, and here's where we're going to go. So, so what is God's style of worship? Think about that for a second. What is God's style of worship? What is traditional In the sense of that he set it forth thousands of years ago and gave us patterns and said, this is how you worship me. This is how you express your love to me. Because remember, worship is love expressed. And to do that, he gave us an entire book, the book of Psalms. So go back to the book of Psalms. And and it's the biggest book in the Bible, 150 chapters. And all throughout the book of Psalms, God reveals expressions of praise, expressions of worship that he says, I like. This is how I created you to worship me. In fact, uh, if you look at it and, and, and you just take it in and read it, maybe you're not familiar with it and you say, Well, wow, this has got what God wants. Can I tell you? His worship that he says he wants looks more like something happens on Saturday in a, in a football stadium not far from here than what happens in most places on Sunday. Because when you read the book of Psalms, you read about things like instruments being played loudly and shouting and dancing and, and crying out and hand raising. And, and that's when he's saying, listen, here's a worship that I like. What I want to do this morning is I want to get to a place where we're not worried about mechanics. But we're worried about our heart, right? We're worried about how do, we, how do we minister to the Lord. So Psalm 150, this is how he wraps up the book of Psalms. He says this, in Psalm 150, it's the last, last one in there. It's, it's one you'll, you're probably familiar with in some ways. This is how he wants us to worship him. He says, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. And I don't know what a lyre is, but it's not the person who doesn't tell the truth. But it's an instrument, okay? Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Now, can I tell you, I, as, a, as a kid growing up in the church I did, you know, that's where I kind of went, what? <laughs> Praise him with dancing? Because the little church I grew up in, we were really good about telling you what we were against. Can anybody been to that church before? You know, it was like, we could tell you there are certain things you don't do if you are a believer. And in our church, it was really very simple. You didn't go to movies, you didn't play cards, and bless the Lord, you don't dance. I mean, I was convinced the only reason they were opposed to premarital sex is they thought dancing might break out. I mean, it was just bad. It was just kind of like, what is up with the dancing thing, you know? But the Bible says, he goes, listen, there's a time, man. Your feet ought to start feeling a little something when you're in the Lord's presence. There might be a place where God just wants you to break out and dance. He says, praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Can I tell you, for the people that always say worship on this earth is too loud, you're going to have a hard time in heaven? Because worship in heaven is described like the loudest waterfall you could ever experience. I have fought the battle of not handing out earplugs at Hope, okay? Because we really are not that loud around here. But for some, you will need some earplugs in heaven because it's going to be loud. It says, praise him with resounding cymbals, Jeremy. It means hit him hard. Let everything that has be- breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You're like, oh my gosh, we are in trouble this morning. But see, here's the thing. That word praise to us is a word that needs some serious definition. That word praise is something that we have a hard time understanding. Because really, it's, it's one of the words that's really used the most in the book of Psalms. But there's so many different meanings of it as we read through. You see, here's a problem we have today. And the problem is we are English for the most part. Our native tongue is English. We've been taught English. But how many know the Bible was not written in English originally? In fact, the New Testament was written in Greek I had the privilege of studying Greek, and that's an interesting thing to do. But to understand it, you've got to understand some of the original language. But the Old Testament was written in Hebrew or Aramaic. And that language has so many more words than our English has. We're kind of succinct, you know, we got one word for everything. If you praise, you praise. But in Hebrew, there were seven different words that meant praise. And each one of them had a different definition, had a different understanding of what it meant to praise God. So this morning, I'm going to do, give you a little Bible lesson, all right, And just real quickly. We're going to talk about the seven words, and then we're going to talk about how we apply them in our lives. You see, in Hebrew, they, they, we, have, we have paragraphs in our English language to try to describe what one word in Hebrew meant. And so I want to help you break that down a moment this day. So take some notes. I want you to write this down. I don't expect you to start being a Hebrew scholar, but I do expect you to pick up the heart of what's going on. And the first word that is used in the in that in that language for praise is what we just read in Psalm one fifty. It's used throughout that, and that's the word halah or hala or in our in our slang hala. Uh, but it's that, it's where we get the word hallelujah from. Hallelujah literally is halal God. Praise God. Celebrate God. And, and it means some things that are kind of, in our minds, a little crazy. It says to boast or to rave or celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. You're like, Pastor, I don't want to be foolish. He's, he's not saying, I act like a fool. He's saying it's just there's something about praising God where you've got to learn to get out of yourself. You see, to praise God in this manner, to halah, is to express great admiration for God. It can be extreme, it can be extravagant, it can, it can be out of bounds even because he says to halal or to praise God, it literally means to be clamorous, a loud continuous sound that comes up to God and blesses his name. Now, it doesn't mean we're always loud, but it says we've got to be willing to get loud sometimes and speak and celebrate and proclaim the greatness of the one who died for us and gave us life today. We sang that song this morning that came that part where it said that the, that the grave had been triumphed over and the, the power of death had been broken. I'm sorry, there was some halal going on in this place about that moment. Some of you got a little outside of yourself, and I'm like, yeah. We need to be able to be sometimes clamorously foolish, raving for our God. Here's a challenge that I faced early in my walk, my nature, my, my personality, is quiet, reserved, I don't want to draw attention to myself, I'm basically an introvert that God had to force out, and uh, one of the things I had to learn is that this low-key, leave me alone, don't, don't, don't ever see me, I don't want to be, I can't express anything to God because somebody might see me, can I tell you something, that is not about personality as much as it is about ego, and it's a matter of letting it go and saying, all right, God, if this is the way you want me to worship you, then God, I will, I will express praise to you, God, and I will lift up my hands, my heart, God. I will bless you the way you want to be praised. Because the second word that the, that the Hebrew language gave for worship is a, is a word that speaks to a lot of what we do, and that's that word yada. It is not Yoda. He's a little green guy. It's yada, right? And yada is to acknowledge God in public with an extended hand. It's lifting up the hands in the, in the sanctuary, right? It's, it's being willing like a child to reach up to a parent and surrender. Psalm 138 is where we see this. It says, I will praise you, Lord. I will yada you, Lord, with all my heart before the gods. I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and praise your name for your unfailing love and your faithfulness, for you have so exalted your solemn decree that it surpasses your fame. When I called, you answered me. You greatly emboldened me. I I love that word yada. There, There is something about a physical surrender to God that breaks open the heavens over your life. There is something about coming to God and saying, I am, I am going to surrender, not as a defeated foe, but as one that says, Lord, I, my life is in yours, God. And as, just as a child would reach up to a dad or a mom that loves him and cares, for him, God, I'm going to reach up to you and I'm going to surrender and praise, and God, I'm going to yada you because you are great, Lord, and you have blessed my life. You see, we, we, we get beyond our circumstances. When we get beyond ourselves, then we're able with trust and awe to reach out to God. Why do we begin every service what we call praise and worship? Because I'm telling you guys, you got to break off the week sometimes to be able to surrender to God and give Him praise so the Word of God can come alive in your hearts. It's not an appetizer. (laughs) Can I tell you that? It's not an appetizer that you can do without. It really is a preparation of soul that makes us ready for God's Word to come alive and the Holy Spirit to make it personal into us. You see, we need to surrender to God. And that means sometimes lifting up our hands. You say, Mike, why did God do that? Why, why do we have to lift up our hands? It's just kind of weird. Can I just keep them in my pockets? I mean, you know, hey, God, you know I love you. You know, just give you a little thumbs up, you know. What if he'd asked us to stand on our heads and whistle? I mean, you know, I think we would do that if we love God, right? It's not that he's it's not that he's trying to embarrass, but it was just that symbolism of saying, God, I surrender. God, I want to bless you. God, I want to praise you. There's a third, there's a third mark of this worship, this praise. And it's found, it's, it's found in Psalm 103. And it's the word, it's kind of hard to say, it's, it's barosh. It's, it's not barak, it's barosh. And, and it really means to, to bless or to give thanks. Kneeling or bowing before God, honoring Him by presenting ourselves to the Lord. It, it's another form of Surrender. Now, we don't think about kneeling, do we? You know, some of you grew up in the Catholic faith, but, you know, kneeling is is something you do almost out of repetition, right? It's almost like Pavlov's dog. You just need to kneel all the time. And and we get away from that, we're like, I'm not kneeling. Well, why not? You know, there's times where you humble yourself for God, and, and you may kneel before him. James 4 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Psalm 103 says this, Praise the Lord, barrage the Lord, humble myself before the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And he goes on and lists all the great things that happened because of Christ in our lives. You see, this one, this barrage, is something that is really a lifestyle of praise, Because you can't spend your life on your knees, right? You can't show up at work, you're on your knees all the time. We we move, we we do a lot of things in our life. But it's a lifestyle of humbling. It's a lifestyle of submission. It's a lifestyle of, of honoring God with everything that we are. It's saying, God, I submit to you this day. God, I trust you, Lord. God, I love you. And we demonstrate that by how we interact with everyone we're around. We're literally praising God by how we interact and we love each other the way God loves us. When we are submissive to one another, when we are steadfast, trusting God, we are literally praising Him by humbling ourselves before Him. So we, we saw that it can be loud and clamorous. It can be raving before God, proclaiming His goodness. It's, it's upraised hands with a, a surrender. It's kneeling before the Lord. Humility is flowing out of us. But the fourth word gives us another little picture of this it's, a, it's the word taudah. Ta-da. It's almost like ta da. And the word comes from yada, and it means again to extend the hand, but it's different. It's not surrender as much as it is proclamation. It's it's standing before God and saying, this I know, I swear, it's like going before a court, and putting the hand up and saying, I know this. And the implication is, we are going to say what God says, and we're going to say it's true, and it matters, and it blesses my life. So when we read scripture like, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, I raise my hands up and I say, I am a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, and the new has come. When I read in 2 Corinthians, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him, then I can confess with a hand raised, my God says I am righteous in front of him because of what Jesus did for me. Colossians 1.13 says he has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son and his love. Then I can confess that I have been delivered. Church, there's a faith element to our praise, isn't there? There's a faith element. There are times we're singing songs around this place, and and there's a statement, there's a word, there's a verse that is is sung. And I'm telling you, my hands are like, I claim that. I claim that in the name of Jesus. I am am not what the world thinks I am. I am his. I am more than a conqueror. You just go down the list. And what happens is you're engaging your body, your mind, your soul, your heart, everything about you, and saying, God, I'm going to proclaim you by saying what you say over me, Lord. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not going to maybe kind of saddle up next to you but not really trust that what you say is true. God, I am going to confess what I know according to your word, that my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If I come into this place and I am hurting, if I'm in a place where Christians gather, and maybe I'm going without and I'm struggling a little bit, I'm not going to sit back with my hands in my pocket and go, man, it's just, life stinks. It's just hard right now. No, I'm going to bring a sacrifice of praise. I'm going to lift up a hand and say, I proclaim that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And though I may not see it right now, I'm going to see it because my God is faithful. And I'm going to trust in him. And it's a matter of taking that yada and praising God by confessing my trust that he is who he is and what he said is true in my life. Listen, guys, there's a power in confession. A lot of times we sing songs, they're confession. Matt and I get together every week. You do not know how hard it is to do what he does every week. I'm nervous about next week, okay? But we have these conversations. And I'll say, Matt, we are not going to sing about our feelings at Hope, okay? Because if we sang about our feelings, we ought to all be down at a bar somewhere getting drunk. Life's hard. Okay? We're going to sing about a great God. Who takes us beyond our feelings and our circumstances and elevates us to a place where we can stand and say, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And no matter what the world throws at me, I'm going to stand strong because of him. That's what praise does. You see, praise, we talk about praise as not being about us, but it is. It's bringing glory and honor to God. He already has that from all of creation, but something happens in us when we praise him according to his pattern. It lifts our faith to a different level, and it stays with us. It's not just about a service. It's about walking in that all week long. I, I, ta-da, God, going down the road. I may not lift a physical hand off the steering wheel, but I'm like, God, I am more than what the world says I am. God, I am blessed beyond measure. God, you have provided for my life. You just begin to confess that word over and over again. Why? Because it builds you up. There's a fifth thing, and I... I could stay on any one of these, but it's the word shavak, shavak. It means to commend praise or to adore, to address in a loud tone or to shout your praise. Here's just kind of the the way I have to picture this one, all right? I, I don't want to stand before God one day and say, God, I can scream and shout for a football team that does not know me at all, but I chose to be silent before the God who created me. That's, that's what shavak is. It's just there sometimes. you got to be loud. It's okay. Why do I stand on the front row? Because I'm loud. I'm not going to stand back and distract you, but I don't mind being in the middle of you. I don't mind, getting loud. I don't mind when things get loud. Why? Because we are doing something together. Psalm 63, you, you God or my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you and I will praise you with a loud voice. I will praise you as long as I live and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. So here's this this word, this shavak, and it speaks about us proclaiming loudly who God is. But there's there's another side of that word that's so cool. Because not only does the Hebrews say it's about proclaiming God loudly, but it also brings about a calming or pacifying spirit. You're like, well, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. Oh, yeah, it does. Can I tell you, when you come to a place where your spirit is crying out to God, like in a dry and thirsty land, I can't get enough of you, God. God, I need you, and I trust you, and I have confidence in you. We proclaim that out. You know what it does to our spirit? It calms and it satisfies, and it brings us to that place of peace. Why? Because now we're coming into his presence. Now we're, we're entering into the court. We're coming to God's presence, and there he is satisfying us, and there he is bringing peace to us. There are times, church, you've got to be able to get beyond yourself And you can come into this place and you can be having a hard day or a hard week or whatever. And there's a place where you've got to learn to get out of yourself and say, God, I am going to Shabbat. I'm going to bring a loud praise to you, God, today. Because when I do, God, your word says you will calm me. You'll bring peace to me. You satisfy my soul. Are you you getting the picture here? it's not about spiritual calisthenics it's not about oh, do I raise my hand now do I sing loud now do I, need? I don't know what to do we need like a choreographer and that's not what it's about it's about learning that God is a creative God and he's created us to worship him creatively and we learn a rhythm in our own life of when these things are appropriate when they fit us and when we do them because it's not just about showing up and observing you go wow Matt that was good worship day way to go man God help us if that's our experience with God. No, I, I, want to, I want my God in heaven to look down and go, Hey, Mike, way to get up beyond yourself, buddy. Awesome. And way to break out of a pattern. You see, traditional does not mean quiet or with a certain type of band or anything else. Traditional means what does God say and then how do we follow what He says. Because the sixth way He says we are to worship Him is the word tehila, which means exuberant singing. And can I tell you something? That doesn't mean you've got to have a good voice. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, gosh. You know who stands behind me every Sunday? Well, then move. Find another place to sit. Sit behind them. and say, You know what I'm saying? You know, the words are, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of you, noise is a stretch. But you know what? Singing is a good thing. Because singing is the kind of praise God inhabits. Psalm 22, verse 3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. That word praises is that tehillah. You're the one that Israel sings about. And when we sing, and I've said this to you again and again and again, why it's so important we do what we do, because when we do that, we are literally, if you can picture it in your mind, we are enthroning God in this place. We're enthroning God in this place. And from his throne doesn't come judgment or anger. From his throne comes mercy and grace. And I can tell you every week we need all the mercy and grace we can get. Amen? So it's important why we do what we do and why I get so fired up as your pastor of going, don't minimalize this part of our worship. Let it come naturally and let it become something we desire. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That word thanksgiving is that ta It's that declaring with hands raised, this is true. And into his courts with praise. Tehillah. Come and confess what is true and sing loud praises to God. And, and let your spirit rise up and say, I'm not going to be dominated by my emotions anymore but I'm going to live according to God's spirit within me. And then finally, the last one is, is a word that uh, we, we like to do around here, and that's the word zemar or zamar. And that is to make music to God specifically with stringed instruments. How many know God loves a little guitar solo? Can I get an amen? Come on, you can do better. Amen. I remember the first time electric guitar was introduced to a little church I grew up in. You would have thought Satan showed up. You would have thought Satan showed up. All the old ladies, they're shaking their head like, we don't need no guitar in this place. That guitar is used for the devil's music. And I'm thinking, who created music to begin with? You know, I think it was God. It wasn't the devil. Well, he was the worship leader in heaven. Yes, he was when he fell. Well, then let's anoint and pray over that guitar. Fine. Make it oily. I don't care. Just give me somebody that can play it, all right? That's all I want to know. I look at Josh, and I'm like, Josh, please give me an electric guitar solo. My wife does not like guitar. I'm going to confess a few things right now. I grew up on 70s and 80s rock and roll. I mean, it's got to be a little loud and charging, okay? Okay. Well, Zaymar says, praise him on stringed instruments. I don't think he was talking about the fiddle all the time, okay? But he's a, a making a celebration It's bringing out a praise to God, even with our instruments. Now, you're going to find out next Sunday, I don't play an instrument. I have two instruments right here <laughs> and right here. That's about as good as it gets. My mom was a piano teacher. For some reason, she never taught me. All the other kids got it, but I never got a single lesson. I can do like Yankee Doodle. That's about it. But this is what God gave me. So I'm going to use it. Psalm 92, verse 1 says this. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. So see, God has this picture of worship, of praise, that he says, I like. I like that. And any time, think about this, any time you want to fire up a relationship with somebody, Anytime you want to build that love to a stronger place, you want to breathe fresh air back into any relationship, what does you do? You find out what they like and you love them that way, right? It's the same in our human relationships. Worship is love expressed. But let me tell you, it is not worship if it is not love. God is not interested in us coming and lifting hands because the pastor said so and clapping our hands and singing loudly because we like the song. It is not worship if there there is not love, and it is not love unless there is an expression of that love. So what is the proper way? What is the proper expression of God? This is what we're going to wrap up with today, okay? Most people would answer that question. So what is the proper way to worship God? And most people would say, I worship God the way I want to. You want to see a pastor get fired up? It's when his worship leader stands up and goes, hey, just worship God the way you want to today. And I'm going to go, let me get my hands around you cuz you just gave an unbiblical command to the church. Not cool. Cuz God didn't say just show up any way you want to. Sling on in here 20 minutes late cuz God doesn't matter and I don't feel like doing anything so I'm just going to sit. Can I tell you off you'd been better off staying home? I'm going to tell you. Because you come into his court with thanksgiving, his court with praise. So, so to say I'm going to worship God in the way I want to, that's wrong. If, if worship is love expressed, and you're going to love in a great way, then you go and focus on what the one you are loving wants and not what you want. I just helped somebody's marriage right there. I know I did. It makes sense, doesn't it, right? If I'm going to be a good lover, I'm going to focus on you and not just on, on me. You know, there was a book called The Five Love Languages. Anybody familiar with that? Gary Chapman, it, it has helped a lot of marriages out. And he talked about that basically there are certain ways that all of us respond best to love, right? And there are five of them. There's the act of service, there's quality time, there's gift giving, there's words of affirmation, physical touch, or closeness. Now, I can tell you, I know my wife's love language. It, it is amazing. My wife's love language is called breakfast. <laughs> breakfast. Don't go buy no steak. Don't go get me filet mignon and lobster. Let's have breakfast. IHOP is being built right down in Prosperity Church Road soon. It's going to be awesome, all right? Now, really, her, her love language is quality time. That, that's her love language. I know that. Mine, mine is words of affirmation. I'm that middle child you know, that Doug was talking about last week. i got to know you love me. <laughs> Tell me every once in a while, okay? Uh, we all have different love languages. Now, it would be foolish for me, To say to my wife, I'm going to love you my way, not the way that you like. How many know that's going to be a pretty unfulfilling relationship, right? In the same way, it would be foolish to say to God, God, I'm going to worship you the way I want to, and and I really don't care what you like. But that's what we do. Because you see, everyone's worshiping something. Everyone's worshiping something, because worship is love expressed. The question is not whether you're a worshiper, but what are you worshiping? Because, again, God doesn't mind that we have other loves. He just doesn't want our other loves to take first place in our lives. He alone deserves that. So so God doesn't care about the other loves. He just wants to make him number one. So what what does the Word say? And this is how we're going to bring this home today. What does Jesus say about this? Okay? Because I know a lot of people are like, oh, Mike, that's a psalm. That was different, you know. That was kind of a whole different arrangement, the temple and all that stuff. Well, then what does Jesus say about worship? One day a religious leader came and asked him that question. And Jesus was going to clarify it. So in Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 12, it'll be on the screen. He clarified. He said, the most important one, speaking about the commandments of the law, he said, the most important one, uh, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Can, can I let you in on the secret of Christianity? It's, it's very powerful, all right? You need, you need to get this, okay? The real secret of Christianity is fall in love with Jesus. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, it's easy. But if you don't have that love relationship with him, can I tell you that Christianity is hard? Because now it feels like you're just obeying rules. You're being restricted by God's word. You're, you're being hemmed in, so to speak. Why? Because if there's no love relationship, now you're just all about duty. And can I tell you, duty's not a lot of fun. But when you love someone, when you love God, when you're in that love relationship with Him, then can I tell you, obeying God is joyful because there's a benefit that comes. So let's do a little personal worship check up here. And then we're going we're to come and we're going to take our time and express this today. So first of all, he says, how do, you, how do you love God? He says, first of all, you love Him with all your heart and all your soul. All your heart and all your soul. So in other words... It's how we express our affection to God. You see, our affections are going somewhere. They're going somewhere. The question is, are they being expressed to God? I've known people that are better at praising their dog than they are praising God. Or praising their children better than praising God. Praising their house better than praising God. We're all going to express our praise. It's a question of where are we expressing it? You say, well, Mike, well, God knows I love him in my heart. Can you imagine if I told Denise that every day? Well, baby, I love you in my heart, you know. Get over it. We would have not gone to, Hawaii, to Maui on a 30 year anniversary, I can tell you that. We probably would have lasted like two. Because worship is love expressed. And don't express it, then you express it in the way the one you love desires. God wants our affection. He doesn't just want our acknowledgement. He wants our affection. He wants to make it personal. And we ought to go there, right? But can I tell you, just as much as God wants our affection, God doesn't want our song service, our clapping, or our dancing, unless he has us personally. God wants you. That's the highest form of praise. He wants you. He wants you fully expressed. He wants you full of love and joy. King David said, I'd rather be in your presence, God, for one day than spend a thousand elsewhere. He got it. God wanted him and he wanted to be in God's presence. Can I tell you, if we let other people determine how we express our, express our worship to God, then we are more fearful of people than we are honorable of God. I remember, I remember the first time I raised my hands in church. I know that sounds so stupid, but it was a big deal to me, all right? Because again, that was not my nature. And I had this crazy roommate for a while, but man, he like clapped after songs and we like, we gonna throw him out of the church because you didn't clap after songs in our church. It was stupid. But uh, he challenged me. And one day in church, I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to lift my hands. And everything inside of me thought, you know what, I'm going to lift my hands, and every eyeball in this place is going to know that Mike Field raised their hands to God today. And it freaked me out. And I struggled for weeks, and we'd sing the songs, and even some of the songs would say, lift up your hands. I'm like, I'm not lifting my hands. And finally one day, I said, okay, God, this is it. I'm going to lift my hands. And I lifted my hands up, and I started looking around because I was sure everybody was going to think I was an idiot. Nobody was looking at me it wasn't about me it was about god so we don't need to base our expression of worship to him on what other people think neither do we need to base it on our feelings so here's the question with the heart and soul what do i love most what do i love most because what i love most that's where my affections are going to go so if we're going to measure our worship answer we have to answer that: Where, where do i love most the second thing is he said love me with all your mind with all your mind focus my attention on him just phrase it this way if you love shopping can I tell you you spend a lot of time thinking about shopping right looking at the ads you're like Amazon you're checking it out if you love a sport a certain sport can I tell you you spend a lot of time thinking about it Man, you know the statistics. Wait till fantasy football comes around here, okay? I mean, you're talking about players. You never knew who they were. You can't even name the school they played for, but you know how tall they are, if they injured their hamstring. I mean, you know everything about them. If you're interested in something, if you're expressing praise to something, your attention goes there. So the question of, of this is, really, what do I think the most about? What do I think most about? Because if our focus is on God, then we give Him attention that He deserves i think that's one of the biggest battles we face there's so much knowledge there's so much information there's so much going on smartphones have ruined our brains because every second we're like what does wall street journal say what does sports page say What does espn and we never just stop and think about what's around us and god says i want your mind too I want you to be thinking about me because when you think about me, you focus your attention on me and that means you love me. And the last thing he says, love the Lord God with all your strength. That I would use my abilities for God. Can I tell you when you serve, it is worship. When you serve, it is worship. And God loves when we serve others. But here's the challenge to the servants, okay? If serving is your number one way that you worship God, it doesn't negate the fact that he still wants you to sometimes Lift up a hand or shout a praise or, or kneel in humble worship to God. In the same way, if you are this radical praiser, man, you are a charismatic from birth, and you just like you just came out of the womb dancing like shout and you can't wait for all that. It doesn't preclude you from needing to serve others. Because how we use our abilities express our worship to God. When I serve my family, I'm showing God that I love Him. When I give God my efforts at work, I'm showing God that I love Him. The book of Colossians says that we work for God, not for man. So when I hear, and you're like, oh my, sorry, blank, blank, boss, and I can't, oh, it's Monday again, here I go, I can't, oh, can't it always be Sunday? How you work is a worship to God. How you work is a worship to God. Let your employer say, Bill is a Christian. I know it not because he's always wearing the shirt or telling me about it because how he works glorifies the one who created him. It's a challenge. And the question with that is what do I do most? What do I do most? So here's the question to close. Every Sunday at Hope we always ask you two questions. What is God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? And, And my question to you today is simply this. In the list of things in your life, the loves of your life, where is God on that list? that's the only question we can ask today where is God on that list because if he's anywhere other than one we have an issue of worship and praise we have an issue of relationship of priority God wants to be right there he wants to be number one you see we all are loving something and God doesn't mind that I really do think he enjoys the fact that we love what he gave around us you know when you're in the mountains you're like wow praise God I mean, look at the creation, right? He doesn't mind that we love other things, but he does mind it when God is not at the top of our list. You know, every week we give an opportunity for those that don't know Christ to receive him as their Savior and Lord. And you know, really what salvation is is reordering your list, it's taking you away from number one and putting God there. That's what Lordship is. And when we do that, then we bring into us all his promises all his relationship and all of his power. So this morning, I want to pray for us. I'd ask you to stand if you would. And we're going to pray. And my prayer has been this week for us that there just might be some reordering going on. That there just might be some reordering going on. And in our quiet moment before God and and Matt's going to come and lead us in singing again today, we're going to spend some time just exercising out what we've learned today. In in this moment before God, I just would ask that we all kind of walk through the list and say, all right, God, where's my heart and soul, God? Where where does my adoration go? God, you don't mind if I adore the things. God, you don't mind if I adore my daughter, God, or adore my wife. Sounds kind of weird if I adore my boat, but God, you don't mind that. God, if you're asking me do I adore you first above all? God, help us with that. God, you asked me to love you with all my mind. God, I pray that you help me, God, that, Lord, I would take captive the thoughts that this world throws at me, God, and I would not get so hung up in things that don't matter, God, that, Lord, I would, I would give place to thinking about you and what you desire, God, and how great you are. Father, you said to worship you with all our strength of God. God, I pray that we reorder, God, today, God, that which we do physically, God, and how we serve others, God. God, how we how we work, how we, how we help out, God, how we engage and how we volunteer, God, all those things, God, God, that they would be a praise to you. So, Father, I pray this morning, God, that we would take that point. God, we'd allow you to reorder some things in our lives today. God our praise <laughs> God would not be one just a physical memory but God would flow out of a heart that's so in love with you before we sing this morning Matt's going to lead us into some songs, before we sing, if you're here today and God's just kind of, he's just, he's just kind of hammering this home in your life can I ask you today just to respond in a way that may be different for you can I ask you today just to step out of what you normally do? If you've, if you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, let today be that day. Reorder your life and say, God, today, Father, I'm, I'm going to start new. I want you, number one. Lord, come into my life and be Lord. Help, help me to learn to not have to be number one, but let you be number one. God, guide my life. Because the Word says when we confess Jesus is Lord, and we proclaim that what he did on the cross when he died for our sin and rose from the grave, by that we have life eternal faith is in Him, our trust. The Word says we are saved, we are made new, we are made whole. The old is gone, the new has come and God wants that in every one of us. There are some today that maybe that took place a long time ago in your life, but yet your walk and your worship become kind of stale, it's become road, it's become something you just do. God help us to be fresh and creative today. God to worship you every moment, every day God in a way that honors you.